Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, the INA. This is episode 15. Uh, 15 is the number of letters in the word uncopyrightable and dermatoglyphics, I think, which in the English language are the two longest words there are without repeating a letter. My name is Peter Oz. I'm here at the University of Nottingham with Sarah Shepherd, who is a PhD student here and also edits I Squared magazine, a popular math magazine. And this week on the podcast, we're going to talk through some maths news. In an article on the BBC News website, the autism expert Professor Simon Baron-Cohen has expressed concern at the prospect of a prenatal test for autism. He's worried that preventing the birth of babies diagnosed with autism will lead to a loss of the numerical abilities associated with the condition. There is known to be a link between mathematics and autism. In fact, it's claimed that many famous mathematicians and scientists had Asperger's syndrome, a milder form of autism which is characterised by social and communication difficulties, a love of routines, and narrow or obsessive interests. It is speculated that Isaac Newton, Albert Einstein and Paul Dirac all had undiagnosed Asperger's syndrome. Males are much more likely to have autism than females. Males with classic autism outnumber females by 4 to 1, while among those with Asperger's syndrome, males outnumber females by 9 to 1. Baron Cohen also points out that men are much more likely to study mathematics than women. In 2007, three-quarters of applicants to read maths at Cambridge were male. Since autistic people often have this talent with numbers, Baron Cohen is worried that by introducing prenatal screening for autism, we may inadvertently reduce the number of future great mathematicians. Although such a test is not yet available, this may not be far off, and Baron Cohen urges caution before considering selecting against autism in the future. Okay, so I've got three things which are on education, maths education issues. Uh, The first was in the Telegraph uh, in January, and it's about the government numeracy campaign, uh, which is using the World Professional Darts Championships to highlight one of the uses of mathematics in everyday life. Um, So in darts you start with a score of 501, and the score that you throw gets taken off that until the first person to zero wins. And you have to hit zero exactly, and you have to end on a double. Uh, English darts player Bobby George believes it's a great way for people to pick up maths much more quickly because people quite naturally, they have to think, what do I need to throw next to get myself to the right position? Uh, Darts-themed teaching aids are being distributed to adult education colleges uh, for this. And there's a quote here from from Bobby George. uh, The game of darts is 33% maths. If you cannot count, you cannot win. Why, why is it 33%? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what he says. <laughs> I don't know what... Yes, I suppose it's... Because the, the, the skill of being able to throw at the right thing, which I suppose is probably the, the majority of it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, The second one is from the BBC uh, at the end of December, uh, that from the English Training and Development Agency for Schools, the TDA, um, apparently are saying that interest and recruitment for teacher training are up, uh, following following a conscious decision by them to target city finance workers during the credit crunch. Uh, A spokesman for them, according to the BBC, said there was no doubt that the increased interest in teaching was due to tougher economic times. And the chief executive of the TDA, Graham Holly, says... These are worrying and unstable times for everyone, and it may be that people are looking, f- looking towards teaching as a secure as well as a rewarding career. And finally, a quick note from the National Centre for Excellence in Teaching Mathematics, who have released a series of videos called Maths in Work, 
which shows the relevance of mathematics and it's important to everyday life. Uh, so the clips show people who are actually doing the job uh, explaining some of the mathematics they use uh, on a daily basis. I've got a report from the BBC. Uh, they're reporting that in 2010 a selected group of English secondary schools will begin piloting a new twinned mathematics GCSE. Rather than having a double math GCSE course consisting of two self-contained qualifications, which is what had previously been proposed, the new plan is to have an optional double math course that would have to be taken as a whole subject. The existing single math GCSE course will also remain available. The double math course will allow students to study both pure and applied math, covering problem solving within mathematics as well as mathematics in everyday contexts including financial mathematics. The school's minister Sarah McCarthy Fry said that the twin GCSE will be accessible to students who have a good grasp of the basics and want to learn more. It will broaden and deepen their understanding of the subject while providing new perspectives. However, some are concerned at how long it will take for the new option to be introduced. Even if the pilot is successful, the new GCSE will not be available to all schools until at least 2015. Right. Uh, this is from the New Scientist uh, in December on the failure of the Beagle 2 spacecraft, which you might remember a few years ago um, was due to land on Mars and didn't. And the New Scientist is, is reporting on a... Um, study which says it's due to a flawed calculation. Uh, so the Beagle 2 was designed to self-stabilise during its descent into the Martian atmosphere, um, partly through spinning the craft as it was released from the orbiter, uh, which generated a gyroscopic force which the new scientist correct, says corrects the wobbles as it descends. I'm not sure if that's a technical term. <laughs> um, so the forces on the spacecraft change sharply as it moves from the thinner upper atmosphere to the denser gas closer to the surface, and they simulated the um, effect of the force in both of these areas. But it says in the article that they could not afford to simulate the change of forces from the thin to the, to the denser atmosphere. So they used a bridging function. Um, a, study, a new study from the University of Queensland now thinks that the craft was spinning fast enough to correct itself in the upper atmosphere, but too fast for the changeover. And they think it probably burned up, um, the quote is, seconds after dropping into the atmosphere. The mathematician Martin Taylor was among those knighted in the New Year's Honours List. Professor Taylor has been a Professor of Pure Mathematics at the University of Manchester since 1986 and is currently pres Vice President of the Royal Society. During his career his research interests have included algebraic numbers and arithmetic geometry and he has so far published five books and over 70 papers. Apart from his academic work, Professor Taylor has also been involved in science education he spearheaded the school, which was a group of science teachers who advised the government on how to tackle the declining interest in science among young people. Professor Taylor has been awarded his knighthood for services to science. Um, so I saw in the Times an interview with Marcus de Sorto, who is, um, you may know, the new Oxford University Professor for the Public Understanding of Science. Uh, and it's quite an interesting article. Marcus goes through his background and what he brings to the role, uh, which the time call, Times calls Head Cheerleader for British Science. Um, quote from Marcus, even if you never use a sine or cosine in everyday life, maths gives you such a clarity in the way of thinking. Which I quite liked. Okay, so there was a piece in the Times at the start of December about uh, the benefits of professional membership, which is excellent news for you and I as IMA members. Um, being an IMA member will carry with it an estimated economic benefit over a lifetime of £152,000. 
that's 81,000 for holding a professional qualification and 71,000 for being a member of a professional institute. So everyone you see is a chartered mathematician and a member. Marvellous. And that additional earning power means that over your lifetime you incur a greater tax revenue. So the benefit to the public purse is estimated at £53,000 per institute member. I should say the research was commissioned by the Consultative Committee for Professional Management Organisations. And Ruth Spellman, Chief Executive of the Chartered Management Institute, said, Being a professional pays. It is an excellent investment for individuals and for government. And I should thank David Udan and Vanessa Thurgood for pointing this one out to me. And another thing I was sent this month is from the Wall Street Journal in January, um, which says that mathematicians get good jobs. Uh, they judge, a study judged jobs on five criteria, uh, environment, income, employment outlook, physical demands, and stress. Uh, the study by careercast.com uh, also included pay and working conditions, both of which came off very well for a mathematician. So mathematics was the top job. Uh, the second and third jobs were statistician and actuary which are also jobs for mathematics graduates. The quote I picked up from the Wall Street Journal um, offers that being a mathematician is a career path that provides you with a steady stream of lucrative, low-stress jobs. So what does it mean by mathematician? The mathematician they spoke to was a um, computer graphics person, sort of a 3D modeler. So I think it's... it's I, when I first wrote this out, I put mathematician in inverted commas, because what does that mean? It can mean anything. But it was... It's somebody who's doing sort of mathematical modelling, I think. Uh, and it fares very... Um... Well, actuaries on the list, you see. So actuary yeah. isn't included in that, That's which weird. is a bit strange. <laughs> and um, it fares well because you aren't handling dangerous chemicals or working outdoors or working in horrible weather or anything like this. And, yeah, so the, the mathematician they spoke to never gets stressed and really enjoys her life. <laughs> <laughs> and is paid phenomenally well for it. So marvellous news. Uh, so thank you to Mary Wimbury for pointing this one out. So I've got two rather contrasting maths education stories. The first is from the BBC. This is the report that the long-term cost to the taxpayer of children who leave school with poor numeracy skills is as much as £2.4 billion. Uh, a study by the accountants KPMG estimates that around 30,000 children leave primary schools each year, unable to do even the simplest math, and that these children eventually cost the taxpayer up to £44,000 each, since they're more likely to be unemployed, pay more benefits and pay less tax. The Every Child a Chance Trust is now encouraging businesses to support schools in their area in order to tackle this problem of innumeracy. A more positive article is in The Guardian. They report the results of a recent international study which shows that out of every country in the world, England's 10-year-olds made the biggest improvement in math between 1995 and 2007, and they shot up the international tables to 7th place. England has also moved up the table for the 14-year-old age group, but enjoyment levels of maths have dropped compared with data collected in 1999. Professor John Holman, head of the National Science Learning Centre, said, It is clear that England is among the higher-performing developed countries for science and mathematics, although progress needs to be accelerated if England aspires to be on a par with some Pacific Rim countries. He also warned that good achievement is not enough without the positive attitudes that make pupils want to continue their studies to become the scientists and engineers of the future. I saw that one and I wrote it out and I don't know where it's gone. I just sitting there thinking, yeah, I, saw, I remember typing this up. But 
Oh well, I wonder what else I've deleted. So the seventh in the world for both age groups. And I think top in Europe, is that right? I don't know, I didn't, yeah, probably. All the, all the ones at the top were like Japan and hmm. probably, I don't know. Yeah, like it said, all the ones on the Pacific Rim. Yes. So I found an article on the BBC News website which says that the charity Sense About Science have issued a warning about celebrities who make misleading claims about science. Among the stars they criticised was Mariah Carey, who said that her album E equals MC squared stood for emancipation equals Mariah Carey times two, rather than squared. Mathematician Dr David Leslie said the two in the equation means C squared, not MC multiplied by two. The correct reading of the equation is E equals MCC, so perhaps Mariah's reinterpretation should have been emancipation equals Mariah Carey Carey. <laughs> Sense about science also criticised Delia Smith, who said obesity could be cured if people cut down sugar addiction, and Tom Cruise, who said in the video that psychiatry doesn't work and called it a crime against humanity. The charities concerned about the influence of such unscientific claims made by celebrities and said they should check their facts before speaking out. And the UK Director of Sense About Science, Ellen Raphael, said, With the internet and 24-hour news, media celebrities' misleading claims travel widely. They add disproportionately to the stock of misinformation that we all then have to wade through to make sense of a subject. A little checking goes a long way. So if you're interested in reading popular maths articles, I'd recommend uh, Plus magazine. Uh, which this month includes an article on whether people or machines are better at proving theorems. Uh, you'll have to go to the website to find out. And a careers interview uh, which talks to mathematician and actor Victoria Gould. Uh, you can get PLUS by going to plus.maths.org. And Sarah, what's in the latest issue of I-squared? Well, there's a, an article on Turing machines and non-decidability, and another on Einstein's theories of relativity, and finally a review of the recent BBC4 programme, The Story of Math, which was presented by Marcus de Soto. And is now out on DVD, I believe. Um, since you mentioned Marcus de Soto, there's a piece by Marcus um, on filming The Story of Maths in the latest issue of Mathematics Today, the INA Members magazine. Uh, there was also an article by uh, Dr Maths, Steve Humble, on pursuit analysis, uh, which has applications from tag to movie car chase scenes and aeroplane dogfights. If you're a student in a UK university and you don't currently receive an email newsletter copy of Mathematics Today, uh, please email me, peter.rollett at ima.org.uk, and we'll sort that out. All right, thank you very much, Sarah. Uh, links to all the stories we've talked about today will be on the show notes for the blog. Uh, you can get that and more information about the podcast by going to www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. Thank you for listening.